People are yearning for information. Having the opportunity to encourage people and to educate people and inspire people. It's amazing to be able to say we'll carve out time to take care of ourselves. There's something for everyone. Welcome to Health Kick. Doro and I are so excited about today's guest. Her name is Kim Alexis, and you all probably remember her as a supermodel back in the 70s and the 80s. And today we talk to Kim about those days, but also what she's up to today and how she's really changing the definition of aging. Kim, welcome to Health Kick. Yes, thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. We're really thrilled to have a conversation with someone that we've admired for so long. So thank you for being here. It's not every day that you get to be in conversation with a supermodel, but you're so much more than that. So we'd love to get started by just asking a little bit about where you grew up, about your family, and how you got on the career path that you did. So I grew up in a little town outside of Buffalo, New York called Lockport. It's where the Erie Canal would go through and we had the locks that would change the water level for the boats. And I have one sister who's my best friend and I have two parents that are still alive. And my dad was a chemical engineer. He owned his own company and he was just a very, very, very smart man. I mean, he's still alive, but he can't answer the same questions the way he used to. So I grew up very curious, like, Dad, how does this work? Dad, what's this about? And he always encouraged questions. I was also always taught to try something new. Just go ahead and try something. You never know what's going to happen. And so I've lived my life that way, probably more spur of the moment than planned. I'm not a huge planner. I was in my senior year in high school. I graduated from high school at 17. But in the fall, I was already accepted into a pharmacy program at University of Rhode Island. I was a swimmer. I used to swim five and a half hours a day. So I was already on their swim team. I'd met some other girls. I had things like checked off the box at an early age in my senior year. I didn't want to have to worry about where am I going or not knowing. This was one thing I kind of did want planned. I decided uh, now I have some free time and a little bit of pressure's off. So people said, well, you're pretty, you should model. And I was trying to make extra money just so that I had pocket change and not have to ask my dad for everything. I said, okay, well, what does that entail? I figured out that there were some agencies and you had to use an agency in order to start getting work. But in order to get with the agency, I had to sign up for their school first. So I was going through school up in Buffalo. It was 30 minutes from my house. So I'd be swimming before school, then to all-day school. I was taking college calculus, trigonometry at full course loads. I was in the band. I was working <laughs> in a pharmacy. I was in youth group with my church. But somehow I could make it up to Buffalo at night for these modeling courses. And I would show up with wet hair because I'd just <laughs> come from swim practice. And so there were all these polished girls there and they had their books and their portfolios and all the little things in the bag back in the day that you're supposed to have like lingerie in case you needed any extra things, which I still don't have all those. Um, <laughs> I just felt like a fish out of water. I mean, literally like a fish out of water. I was a tomboy. I hadn't studied all the magazines. I didn't know how to put makeup on. I didn't realize there was a certain way to walk into a room back in the late 70s when they were still teaching that and walking with the books on your head. I didn't belong there. And one night, a small man was in the corner and he had his arms crossed and he kept kind of staring at me. I'm like, uh-oh, this is not good. I got called into the owner's office and she said, 
step into my office. So I walk in the way I was supposed to, sat in a proper chair, crossed my arms or my hands the way I was supposed to. And I thought they were kicking me out. And instead they said, would you like to go to New York City? And I said, no, I'm going to be a pharmacist. I held on to that for as long as I could. And they kept asking. And finally I said, okay, we'll take your pictures, but you know, nothing's going to come of it. I've got my life planned. I'm going to study. And I was always a nerd. I loved books. I'd bring home extra work. So I couldn't imagine going to New York and eating carrot sticks when you're used to swimming five and a half hours a day and burning thousands of calories. And having to eat, right? Like you have to eat for energy. So yeah. Yes. Anyway, so it was a whole different way of life. So they took the picture, sent him to John Casablancas. He decides that he has to see me and has a Discover model day in Buffalo. He flies to Buffalo, comes into my classroom. I'm with all the other girls from my classroom, and he pulls me oh. out of class and offers me a guaranteed contract for a year. Then he pulls me next to him and sits me up on this wherever raised platform, and he said, okay, all the other girls come by with your books. Now, I didn't have a book, but all the other girls came by with their books, and he would look at me and says, what do you think about her? I'm like, I don't know. Oh, my God. So here I was thinking I was getting kicked out of class. And instead, I was asked to go to New York. And so there was that little thought in my head. I looked at my parents. They said, don't regret anything. Just go ahead and try it and see if you like it. You can always go back to school. So I tried it. And I had a cover of Italian Bazaar in the first four days. Came back. I had a glamour cover that came out within the first couple months. It takes three months from shooting to come out on the stands. My career just took off. I had my first national ad in three months for Elizabeth Arden makeup. How did that feel to all of a sudden be a supermodel within a few months? Well, that term didn't exist in the late 70s. I don't think people thought of modeling in the same way as they do now. It was almost like a call girl in a way, which, you know, I wasn't interested in, but I had to learn quickly at the age of 18 to set healthy boundaries and make my voice known. And I hadn't been used to that growing up in a small town. I learned quite a bit and I teach it now, healthy boundaries, because it's so important. Imagine a young girl when you're growing up. You listen to your teachers, you listen to your parents, you listen to your coaches. They're adults. You have to obey them. When you go into modeling, all of a sudden in a day, now you're running your own business. Instead of that default to do whatever an adult says, which is, here, sign this contract. Don't even worry about reading it. Here, show up here. Here, take your clothes off. So you're put in situations where you're trusting an adult to make a wise choice for you, and sometimes there's not. So I had to learn quickly that I had to go with what my gut said. And that twisted, weird feeling in your gut where you feel sick is manipulation. And so I had to learn that's not good. Slow down. The faster someone wanted me to sign a contract, the slower I would go. This happens so quickly. So with college, did you say, look, I'm going to go next year? I put it off for a year. And actually, when they asked me a year later, I was like, huh, a year went by already? That was fast. At that point, I was like, no, I, you know, I guess I've got to stay on this path. I was getting offered 14 jobs a day. I could pick and choose what I wanted to do. It was just a strange time. Wow. So where were your mom and dad then? Did they stay in Buffalo or were they your people? Did they come with you or how'd that all work? And your sister? When you're 18, you don't need an escort. My sister's two years younger, so she was finishing up high school. I was on my own. 
And I traveled immediately to Rome, to Paris. I started traveling London and around the world by myself at 18. And also what's interesting is that I grew up with my high school being performance-based. So everything was based on good grades, fast swimming times, you know, not getting in trouble. And so when you go to New York City, nobody cares about any of those things. They just want to kind of look at you outside, which I'd never really focused on. So that was a whole new lesson to learn. You are all about health and everything of which we're so excited to dive deep into that. But at that time, did you, like you said, carrot sticks and water probably, did you have to go that way? Well, I had to diet. So when John Casablancas from Elite discovered me, he said seven words that changed my life. You need to lose 15 pounds. Now I was swimming five and a half hours a day. I was 145 pounds at five foot 10, no body fat. So they didn't have a lot of diets back then. And basically the one I went on was Atkins. You know, when you're hungry, the last thing you want is bacon or, so, you know, what they would say, like, oh, I'll well, have a steak, have bacon. I'm like, I don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting learning that, yes, that diet worked, but it was very painful that I couldn't keep weight off. We all have a set point of what our body's very comfortable at. And mine was not comfortable at 130 pounds. So you knew that. Just You just yes. knew it wasn't. Yeah. For how long did you have to keep it at 130 through your whole career? Oh, gosh. No, I couldn't keep it. When I just oh, couldn't. Okay. So I worked at 140, 145. Oh, so you were able to keep that. So they yes. were okay with it. Well, they had to be. At that point, I'm working. And actually, if I got too thin, my face would get gaunt. And so for covers and beauty, I didn't look as good. So I might have been heavier for runway, but I was more a beauty girl. Oh, so runway. Yeah, of course, that's different. You're right. So runway is toothpick. <laughs> toothpick. Got it. Okay. And you were a beauty model. That's kind of what just came out. Only 500 covers. Amazing. How was your social life as a model with, I mean, did you make good friends with other models you were traveling? Right away, I made two good friends. Yes. In the modeling business. Were you able to maintain your old friendships or how often did you see your family and how did that work? My family, I would go home at the beginning every couple of weeks, months. I was just 18 years old. And yeah, I was so just going to say you're just 18. Mm, so yeah. I needed to go back and the more I'd go back, the more I realized I was changing. The old friends got upset with me because I was just in a different financial situation than they were. And they were in college and eating pizza and drinking beer, which I was not doing. You know, they were gaining weight and I was trying to stay a certain way. So it got harder that we lost things to talk about. So life's going, you're getting immediate attention. And then what's happening with you sort of inside? You're loving this and it's fun, it's exciting or what's happening? I didn't love it. I think I'm just not a quitter. I kept my mouth shut and really, I cried a lot. I was very sensitive and people would say harsh words. There were a lot of harsh words and I had to learn to let that roll off my back and just not accept them or just say, oh, that's your opinion. And how I would learn that is I was doing two or three covers a day and a cover takes about four hours. So I would work from like nine to one, one to five, and then five to nine. So sometimes I would do three different covers in a day. So you've got on the makeup and hair from the first cover. 
And so as you're leaving, they want to know where you're going. And so I'd say, well, I'm going to do XYZ cover. And so they'd be like, well, wash your face. Or sometimes you'd show up with the makeup on and they're like, oh, honey, who did that? And then they'd change it. Five minutes before, they were telling you how beautiful you were. And then you go to another booking and they're like, oh, change your face or we need to do this totally different. So there were many different opinions. I learned that one opinion is not perfect. It's not set in stone. That's very true and probably really has set the foundation for what you talk about now. What's happening to your sister at this time? Is she as pretty as you? <laughs> and my sister is, as my dad would say, I have a smart one and I have a pretty one. And so my sister was valedictorian of her high school. She went off to Cornell. She's a electrical engineer with a master's. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. And so everyone's got their different strengths. We do look like sisters, but it was, there's just a little bit of a difference. And do you look like your mom or your dad? Uh, probably more like my dad. At what point? Did you become supermodel status? Was it after Sports Illustrated or when did that term come into being and what does it mean? Thank you. <laughs> Everyone's a supermodel nowadays. I want to make a new term, master model. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the term, I think I was working like four or five years. So it must have been like 82, 83, 84. 83, I signed my Revlon contract with Ultima 2. 81, I was doing Sports Illustrated swimsuits. So to me, the term supermodel means that you have mastered many different areas of modeling. It's that you were good at swimsuits, you were good at runway, you were good at covers, you had to have covers, you had national ads. All of that was taken, in my opinion, taken into effect. I remember hearing it one day, someone called me a supermodel. I'm like, what's that? They said, well, it's you, darling. And I said, really? Well, who else is? And they said, Christy. And I'm like, you have me in the same category as Christy Brinkley? <laughs> <laughs> so I felt at that point that I kind of made it. And I was like, wow, okay. Because when you're That's working, huge. back then, we didn't have social media. We didn't have feedback. So I would be on covers or I'd be inside. I didn't realize how those pictures influenced other people. And now it, with social media, when I post my pictures on Instagram and Facebook, people are like, I remember this and I was in college and this picture got me through this. And I tried to do my makeup like you and you influenced who I was and I watched everything you did. And I was like, wow. But back then we didn't know. So I just worked hard morning, noon and night, five days a week, traveled all the time and by myself. <laughs> so modeling's a lonely business. You're always at a different location with different people, different personalities. You never know if you're going to get a big lunch or if you should have brought your own. You don't know where your parking spots are. Nothing is predefined. It's all new every day. It just feels like there's not a whole lot of laughter or lightness. Is that true? No. Well, like I would get to a booking. Number one, you're so happy that you get somewhere like, yeah, I'm here. Trying to figure out New York City and the subways and all that and pay phones. I'd have to use a payphone. Pay yeah, there's no cell phone, no computers. Right. Like, I put right. a dime no ways. and cents in to call my agency and be like, I can't find the book. I can't find the address. <laughs> Where? You know, so we'd get there, a sweaty mess half the time. And then you'd be like, oh, and you'd find friends or people that were going to be there also. And so some days was just laughing and That's having good. a great time. Yeah. That makes me feel happy. <laughs> yeah. What's the difference between modeling then and modeling now? 
Well, one of the things that I brought up was the social media aspect. So we now have the ability to speak with our audience. Back when I was, as I said, there was no communication. I had no idea how I would affect or my photo would affect people in good or bad ways. So that has truly changed. Now I don't even have a modeling agency because they want to know what your social media numbers are. And certain bookings you don't get based on merit of how beautiful you are. It's how you can influence millions of other people. Well, they want you to do the advertising on your social media. I didn't play that social media game for a long time. I was not into the, look at me, selfie, selfie, here I am. So I didn't start out that way. I didn't have a huge audience. And so I'm slowly now trying to build that and organically by not paying for it. People pay for their followers now. I don't. crazy. You're shifting. So your message now is what? What do you want to talk about now and where are you now? But of course, we want to know like all about everything in between. When did you stop actively being the master model? Well, it was slow. In 83, after working for five years, Revlon signed me to an exclusive deal. Well, that means not working, being paid not to work so that you were more exclusive. So I dropped out of doing catalogs. I dropped out of everything but editorial. And editorial is Vogue, Glamour, Madness, El Bazaar. Is that what everybody's kind of going for? That's supposedly when you make it super big, when you get a big cosmetic contract, yes. So at that point, you just did the exclusive stuff. I was replacing Lauren Hutton. So what Revlon wanted from me, or Ultima 2, was someone who would go into acting and then be the Revlon girl. So this was pre-social media, but it was in the same instance of, oh, she's on the screen. Well, she's the Revlon girl. So they wanted that. And I'm like, no, I'm not an actress. (laughs) I don't uh, enjoy it. I'm way too practical. And you want me to do what? No. I just don't like playing, lying. I, I just, it's just not me. And meanwhile, you have children, right? When were your kids born? So my first son was born when I was 25. I was supposed to be running a marathon in New York City at that point. And had and which you've done how many marathons? Eight. Eight? Yeah. Oh, wow. My God. Amazing. <laughs> and I did those to prove that I was an athlete versus a fatty patty. I just wanted to say, hey, this is muscle. <laughs> I ran marathons five and six months after my first two sons giving birth to my first two sons, and did a Sports Illustrated after my first son right away. Actually, after both of them. How old are your sons now? 37, 33, and 29. How was it for them to have their mom being so beautiful (laughs) and out in the world recognizing her? How did you raise them? I put them first. So if I was out somewhere and someone wanted an autograph, I would make sure my sons were fine or in my arms, you know, make sure that their needs were taken care of and let the person know, hold on a second, I've got to finish this up or whatever it was. So they knew that they were first. I took them everywhere with me. To them, it was normal. And now I have very protective sons. They are very protective. (laughs) I read that one of your sons said he was happy you didn't do any nude modeling or nude photos. Yeah. So think back in the day when we didn't have Google or ways to search and look things up. I was in many a modeling job on set where they would say, take off your clothes or take off your top. And I'd be like, what? No. Why? 
So once or twice, I literally had to walk out of bookings. I don't know. You just kind of know that, hey, that's permanent. So it was before Google. And so when my middle son, Bobby, was going to college, he was on the lacrosse team. And it was in Baltimore, University of Maryland, Baltimore County. Yeah. It was the parents' day, bring your kids. You know, everyone was checking in. And so he was meeting the team. And I'm standing there with my ex-husband. And he comes out of the locker room. He's like, Mom, thank you for not doing nude photos. I said, what are you talking about? He says, all the guys found out who you are. They were all looking you up in there, oh. in the locker room. He says, I would have fought everyone. Oh. <laughs> oh. What we do affects our children. Yes. Whether they see it or don't see it, whether it's before our children or not, but everything we do plays into everything else. So are your sons, do you see them pretty regularly? No, they're East Coast. They're all in North Florida. Oh yeah, and you're in Scottsdale. That's right. Did any of them follow in your footsteps? I had two sons, oldest and youngest, who tried modeling and they're like, mom, it's not for me. So they went off into other areas. What are you doing now and what is it that you love to talk about and tell us what's on your heart now, what you're doing? I keep searching and I'm studying and searching for myself, but it's anything to do with clean living and trying to get rid of toxins, identify them, get rid of them and live my spirit, my mind, my body, my nutrition, everything, what goes in my eye gate, what I listen to, everything affects everything else. And so the cleaner I can stay free of toxins or angry people or negative opinions, whatever it is, or toxic products, that's what I'm into. So I'm shooting again this afternoon. I do video shoots with, hey, did you know this? Or this is what I just found. And this is what I looked at. And there's more and more emphasis on clean living, but there are no seals and stamps and pre-vetted products in a way. So we've got to be creative in how we research and look for and decide what is and what is not good. When we last spoke, and I told Tricia, and she has great interest in this subject too, you and I both have Hashimoto's disease, and it's such a scary sounding thing. But what is it that you've discovered about Hashimoto's, and what do you do to help yourself? It's autoimmune. So it's your body working against your own thyroid. So my book, The Thyroid Journey, takes the reader through what I went through and how I got off and on medication and how I tried different things and what worked and what didn't. I am back on thyroid medication. That's where I'm choosing to be right now. But it's sad that so many people have a thyroid problem. And so because it's very prevalent, there must be something that we've done, something in our food, our water, or whatever it is that has thrown us off. Endocrine disruptors. That's hard to say. So like you were saying, that's why you've gotten really passionate about any toxins, all kinds of toxins, and trying to eliminate toxins in your world. Well, as you see people age, and we all will age, do you want to be walking around with a walker? Do you want to be out running marathons? What do you want? So I'm a true believer that if you can keep the body as healthy as possible, it will heal itself. If you give it the option, it will heal itself. God made great bodies. And that the cleaner we stay, the less problems we'll have down the line. So I just want to enjoy my 70s, 80s. I don't want to be infirmed or feeling arthritis or just not moving. We have to stay moving. 
So we love that you are embracing aging. It's just so awesome to see somebody doing, Dora and I call ourselves the natural agers and you too are kind of committed to that approach. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us what that looks like and how you think it is actually very empowering? Number one, when you look in the mirror, I think our conscious remembers us at 16, 18, 20. And so when we look in the mirror, we're like, huh, what happened? Yeah, wait, who is that? And I imagine with you, with all the pictures out there. Yes, it must be magnified. All 500 magazine covers, you can't quite get away from yourself. Yeah, and it's kind of funny when people are like, do I know you? And it's like, oh, <laughs> have I changed that much in 45 years? So, to me, it's staying as young with our joints and our brain cells and our lack of too many lines and... I mean, it would be great to have no gray hair. I'm still trying to look at what mineral deficiency we have to make gray hair. I stopped coloring my hair. I used to have fake nails on because of the toxins. So I'm just natural. I mean, it's easier for blondes to go gray, but I'm gray. (laughs) So Kim, what kind of ways throughout the day could we be keeping our eye on being healthy and aging properly. Of course, diet, which we want to know what you suggest and how you're eating and is it plant-based or are you still doing meat or how that, but what other kind of things should we be doing? And you, frankly, you were an athlete. You had the basis of a swimmer, a runner. So you kind of kept it going the whole way, right? Yes. And now are you still really active? What we have to do daily, we're presented with choices. We all have to eat. We all have to sleep. We either rest or watch TV or we go exercise or we mess around and putter around the kitchen. My mother can do it for two or three hours. I don't know how she does it, but she can. So we have choices of what we do with our time, how we're going to eat. I keep healthy food in my pantry. I do not keep any junk. Now, chocolate chips are not junk. By the way, true. So I love to bake. So I will bake. I have another book called Cheat Eat, which was finding a recipe and then saying, okay, well, I don't want that in there. So I'm going to put this instead. And so finding healthy alternatives to be able to substitute in all recipes so you can cheat. But as far as exercise, it's do you get out there? So I was just benched. My knee has many fractures in it. I have a torn meniscus. And so the doctor said, you are benched from running, no more running. So now I go to the club. Number one, I always walk the big guy, the big dog here every morning. I'll go to the club and I get on a rowing machine or I get on the elliptical or I get on a bike. And I make sure that I do cardio. I also lift weights. I love lifting dumbbells with all the guys, with all the big guys. So (laughs) I go right to the bench and sit there with my dumbbells and jump in with the guys. And the longer I'm there, the more guys come around. It's amazing. (laughs) Are you still swimming? I need to get back out there. We have outdoor pools here and we had a cold winter here in Arizona. I just jumped in my pool yesterday. It was <gasps> when you do that. <laughs> cold plunge. It was yeah. like a cold plunge. Yeah. yeah. My <laughs> husband's like, breathe normal. I'm like, <gasps> I can't. <laughs> and you made your way to Scottsdale because? I fell in love. My husband's been here since 86. I was living in New York City at the time and I'd met him through some friends. I called him and he said, why don't you come out and visit? And I said, Okay, because it was winter in New York City. I mean, even the Starbucks was closed. It was so bad that one winter. So I'm like, okay. So I jumped on a plane. I came out and I'm looking around and I took my shoes off and I stood in the grass 
And I looked around at the trees and I started crying. And so he says, what's wrong? And I said, there's oranges on the tree. <laughs> so <laughs> I realized that I was an outdoor girl and that other people were in beautiful areas and still in the United States. And so I thought, you know, I said to him that first date, I said, I don't want to leave. And he says, so come back. So I flew back to New York City and kind of just traveled back and forth and would meet him and didn't take long. I was married within six months after that. <laughs> oh, that's so great. <laughs> and had so you been living in New York this whole time? No, I have lived in Colorado. I've lived in North Florida. I've lived in California. We went up to New Jersey for a while for my youngest son. He was playing hockey. So how do you see your next 30 years then? Talk to us about that. How well, do you that see that would it? take me to 92, almost 93. So yeah. And I hope to be out and mobile and active and sharp as a tack and remembering things and just living a powerful life and giving back to others. So I am developing now curriculum to help women that are coming out of jail, setting healthy boundaries and what that looks like. I'm developing another possible program working with a college. So it's just fun to be able to go off again, like my parents said, don't be afraid to try something. So we're having our meeting tomorrow, but we're trying to develop curriculum with Dress for Success and a local charity here or 501c3 that helps women and empowers them once they come out of the jail system. So we are masterminding tomorrow and hope to have a program out. And Dress for Success now has 140 locations in 50 countries, I think. It's amazing. What does your curriculum look like? It's being developed. So right now I have written my thoughts on healthy boundaries. We're working with grants and we're working with people at this organization to develop it together. They believe because of the business I've been in and the different areas I was exposed to so much that it will resonate with these women where they will be able to relate to me. I don't want to be someone that makes women feel like they're inferior. I always want to include women and empower them. It's not about anyone being better than anyone else. I make good choices. Honey, what about you? You know, it's not about that. It's about, hey, this is what I learned and this is how I can help you. Talk to us about boundaries. When we talk about boundaries, how do you define boundaries? And you said earlier on that there's that feeling in your gut when you kind of knew that that's kind of maybe a boundary. But what does that look like? And what does a boundary mean to you? A boundary is protecting my self-esteem, protecting my peace of mind, protecting my integrity. You'll find that I don't lie. And so I think it was something I developed in myself. It's not something they teach in school. It's not something your parents can set certain realistic ones when you're in a small town. But there were so many instances of things that happened in the Big Apple that I, my mother could never have prepared me for. So it's that feeling inside that you're protecting you and what you believe and who you are, and that nobody's going to make you do something you don't want to do or put you in a situation. I get out of situations at a very early start, like no, whether it's dealing with different agents. So you've got a couple of different agents. You've got to talk to them all up front, like this one's taking this job. This one's going to do this one. 
just so you know this one, I'm doing something over here with this one. So just communication helps in many ways. But there's a lot of young girls out there in my business who think that they have to do, as I said before, everything an adult says, and it's not true. There are ways to say, no, that's not good for me. And people will respect you for it versus you lose the job. Or let's say you do lose the job and you will not be a model. You've got to have that self-esteem that you're doing what's best for you and you're not going to compromise. Even as we get older, you need your boundaries. How would you describe that? All I know is I can walk by a construction site now and they don't whistle. I used to have to ignore those guys. And now it's like, how about just one whistle? Just one. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. I think that as we age, number one, I think people respect us more as we age. When you're 18, no one really respects you or your opinion or they don't think you have a clue for anything. So they're going to try stuff. They don't try stuff on us when we get older. You'd be like, uh, no, you know, because we've been around the block. I don't know. I guess that's the big difference. Who in your life would you say were your mentors? I mean, you're so grounded and you were so grounded at a young age. Was there anybody special in your life or that you looked up to? Well, I'd say that my parents were my sounding board. So when I first started, because I'd just come from living with them for so long, you know, for 17 years, that was what I was used to was their opinion. So I would go back for their opinion. So that was important. But Sometimes it would be other girls in the business. One of my very first jobs, or it was my first job, I was in Rome for the Italian Bazaar Collections. I met this wonderful makeup artist who has since died, but he was such a wonderful man named Joey Mills. Someone else had said I should pluck all my eyebrows. And he says, no, darling, leave them. They don't come back as you get older, right? Yeah, we know. And I just posted online one of my covers, Vogue covers, and the eyebrows are down here. This Joey Mills, he was like, honey, you're fine. Don't pluck them. Don't worry about it. The photographer, who was very, very famous, and he said to me, don't listen to anything you learned in that modeling school. Just listen to me. And so they told me to forget everything I learned in Buffalo. It was just interesting. Everyone had a different opinion, and you had to learn how to weed out what you thought was right. So it was, to me, I always internalize. I check with my gut. I check how I'm feeling about things. Does something ring true? And I have to have a good basis of what the Bible says. To me, that's my foundation. If I have that and I know what God's way is for us since he designed us, then I want to do things his way. So I weigh everything all the time. What was it like to see other girls your age who were not quite so grounded? Were you ever in a position where you were trying to help others along the way? I have a mother spirit. (laughs) So yeah. And sometimes they were older than me, but I'm like, why are you listening to that? Or why are you putting up with that? I'm not super opinionated and super outspoken, but there were times when things angered me. I don't like seeing manipulation. I don't like seeing any injustices at all. So you can imagine how irritated I must be in this day and age. So what is your beauty in your skincare routine now? Like, what do you do? I don't do much. I just work from the inside. And so I have bioidentical hormones that keep me where I'm supposed to be. I do take my thyroid medicine, but it's really choices every day that I make. I make sure I incorporate a salad pretty much every day into my um, routine. I don't drink alcohol. I don't smoke. I don't do any of that stuff. And some people will say, well, that's no fun. And I'm like, 
I think it is fun. And I think that I'm going to be having more fun later than you are. So I don't need any of those things to make me happy. So it's not the skincare. It's not the stuff you put outside. It is truly what you're internalizing. Can you tell us more about your bioidentical hormones and what research you've done on that and why you've chosen to be on bioidentical hormones? I went through a period where I was so funked out and depressed, I couldn't get out of bed for two weeks. And so I went to my OBGYN. I was living in Colorado at the time. They took blood work and she says, well, no wonder you're funked out. She says, you have absolutely no hormones. You have no estrogen, no progesterone, and no testosterone. And I'm like, what? So they started me on a routine. I don't like daily creams. I'm too busy. So I put pellets in my butt under my skin once every three months. And that works for me. The reason we need or why I have zero hormones was environmental and probably some of the extra travel. And I used to have so much energy. (laughs) Things I could do in a day. I'm sure that fast-paced lifestyle racing around the world and all that played a point in it, but we shouldn't have to. And some people are like, you just don't mess with your hormones. You should just leave them. Well, if you don't have any, you're supposed to suffer. And I'm a big believer that you should eat eggs and cholesterol is good. If you don't have any cholesterol and you don't make your own hormones. So read up and something that's good for me may not be good for you. So you have to do your own research. You have to listen to your own gut and If it rings true, oh, maybe I should do hormones. Look into it and see if you feel better. Dora and I talk so much about bioindividuality, this idea of really learning what is best for me, what will support me is really important. And it is somebody being curious about their own health. And that's sort of what we're all about encouraging. Yeah. And that's why I wrote my eBooks. I think I've nine at this point, but it was Speaking from my story and my journey, we all learn as human beings from hearing stories, I think. We don't want to be lectured and preached at, but if you tell a gentle story, sometimes people can hear the truth in the story. And so I would take whatever my journey was. I had adrenal burnout. So I wrote a book called Nap Zap, you know, getting rid of naps because I used to take naps and I'd have to do that. And so I had to learn how to re-strengthen my adrenal glands or on dieting. I wrote a book on dieting and one guy commented, he says, but you didn't tell me the answer. And I'm like, I'm telling you all the different things I did over the years, but you from that are supposed to decide what works for you. I'm just trying to present all the different options. And they're available to everybody. Is that right? Either a link on my KimAlexis.com or on Amazon. If you could leave our listeners with the most important message, what would that be? To stay true to yourself and don't do something because you want to be famous or you want a label or you want a lot of money. Some people marry the wrong guy because he's got some letters at the end of his name or whatever, but you really have to tune in, listen to your gut, know who you are, know what's best for you, and stay on that path. And when we look at other people and covet what they have, it doesn't do you any good. You can look at other people to learn from them. But don't look and say, oh, man, if I only had that, everything would be perfect. No, we're all on our own path. So you really need to figure out who you are, what you want. You write a list, write a list of things I will always do, things I will never do. I used to do that in situations. And I had a girlfriend tell me the answer to your situation is what brings you peace. 
God's answer always brings peace. And that was very big for me. But before that, I used to have to do lists of this is why I shouldn't move to Texas or whatever it was. Make this list or this is why I should move to Texas. And I realized after I put it on a list, wow, that side's much longer than this side. That worked for me. But taking those personality tests, I found that I'm a teacher. I'm a natural born teacher. Now, I'm never going to teach small children, but I can teach from what I've learned to other women to empower them. Yes. And we're so lucky that we have you being (laughs) our teacher. We so value you, Kim. Thank you so much for all that you're doing and for your books and your eBooks and just for being so beautiful inside and out. We really, really appreciate you being part of Health Gig. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us on Health Gig. We loved having you with us. We hope you'll tune in again next week. In the meantime, be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast and follow us on healthgigpod.com. I'm Trisha. And I'm Doro. Be well.